Imagine More is a weekly podcast that explores the stories, passions, successes, and failures of young, unconventional entrepreneurs. Chantel works to uncover the person behind the passion and unpack the ingredients of their entrepreneurial minds. What is it that makes them imagine more? Hey there, and welcome back to this week's episode of Imagine More. Today, I'm really excited to welcome Steven to the show. Steven is the founder of King of Pops. King of Crabs, King of Compost, Trials. I mean, the list is endless, and I'm excited to learn so much from him. So let's get started. Hey, Stephen, welcome to the show. Thanks. Excited to be here. Yeah, we're excited to hear more about your journey and becoming an entrepreneur and I mean, kind of all the things. So King of Crops, King <laughs> of Pops, Tree Elves. <laughs> How do you stay sane managing so many companies or facets yeah. of a brand. Um, but I suppose to kick things off, will you tell our listeners a little bit about where you were before King of Pops? Sure. So I uh, was a journalism major at the University of Georgia um, and went out west. I actually moved to Idaho to work at a very small newspaper. Um, I was skiing at expensive places like Jackson Hole, a little bit more than my salary could afford. Um, <laughs> and I ended up, uh, my brother was working at AIG at the time, um, got me a job there uh, and did really well there for a few, two, three years. Uh, eventually in 2009, though, getting laid off um, along with a lot of folks during the, the Great Recession. Um, so that's that's kind of my, my career path. And then now I've been uh, thinking a lot about popsicles for 10 years, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> so you, I mean financial stuff's going on, you get laid off. Did you have a dream about it? Like how did, yeah. <laughs> how did this all start? How yeah, were you dreaming about sure. <laughs> Yeah. So my, uh, my oldest brother is an anthropologist and he was doing his field work. Um, and most of his field work was in Latin America. He was in both Ecuador, um, and Panama and, uh, kind of hopping around. And whenever I'd have a vacation, um, in college and after college, it was kind of my default would just be to go visit him wherever he was and stay on his couch. And uh, throughout Latin America, the paleta, which is basically just the Spanish word for popsicle, um, is is pretty common. And, and you'll, we started to just seek them out um, and fell in love with the idea, uh, natural, high quality ingredients, and then interesting flavors. Um, and so we just kind of dreamed of it, uh, literally dreamed of it, usually kind of while having a drink or whatever and not really imagining that it would be a thing. Um, but then uh, losing your job, when you lose your job in, in something that is supposed to be as secure as insurance, uh, you really kind of start to question um, what is what is secure and what isn't secure. So felt like if, if I had an idea... Um, and we had an idea that we were excited about. Might as well go for it and see what happens. Kind of with pretty, pretty, uh, pretty small expectations too, which is one thing I kind of always feel is important to 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 focus on a little bit when when people are talking about getting started because expectations were certainly nowhere close to what we've done. Um, really, just wanted to be able to do something fun and uh, make a make enough money to get by, uh, but didn't have like these, these plans to scale and da, 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 da. So uh, kind of, kind of interesting way to get started, which is, which is, I think some, sometimes a little bit unique as well. 
Yeah, I think that's really fascinating with like the expectations piece. I think sometimes it's it's um, tempting to think so big, and then yeah. if you don't reach that particular goal, you have this overwhelm of like I failed. Yeah, um, and you have to try to shift that perspective. But if you just shoot smaller and then yeah. revise when you reach that goal, exactly. I think that's important to know. I, I'm interested. So you kind of talked to and touched on feeling secure, and. Um, <laughs> I mean, I know So, as business owners, you create something and then you have control over yeah. that. Um, but are there any insecurities that, that may come in starting something new and running your own business that yeah. you can look back to? 100%. I mean, we were always, we've always been very conservative. So um, as you would imagine, the Popsicle business is pretty seasonal. So that first winter, it was just... Uh, Nick joined the business um, full time. He had always kind of been helping uh, about three or four months in. That's my brother. Um, and we were, we kind of needed the help probably earlier, but we knew that there's also going to be this period where we were going to have essentially no money coming in. So we were always just kind of on the more conservative side with, with adding people. Um, and it kind of, it kind of plays to that uh, sense of security and like, certainly not want to sell someone an opportunity that, that we kind of couldn't follow through on. So I think the same can be said for, for the business. I mean, if we had uh, tried to open in 25 locations year two, uh, I wouldn't have felt like it was super secure, but um, if we were kind of being conservative with both what we were paying ourselves and the opportunities we were investing in, um, I kind of always felt like we could uh, keep a pretty, keep a pretty close eye on it. I mean, obviously things happen that, that you won't know everything from just like, Oh, it rained all April to, um, uh, more serious things like losing out on a lease or something like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, I wouldn't say I feel more secure. I think it's just an understanding that, um, like you said, you're in control of it. Know that things could happen at any moment and just, as much as possible, be okay with it, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've spoke to a few people about this concept of imposter syndrome, uh -huh. which kind of, I think ties into that of, um, like when your company gets to a certain size and you have all these eyeballs on you, like, where are we going? What are we doing? What is the decision to be yeah. made? Um, have you ever felt that? And especially, so I didn't know 25 locations. Is that where you guys are? Currently? We're in seven cities. So, that's yeah, we probably amazing. have, we have a couple hundred carts, but like we probably only utilize all of the carts on maybe 10 weekends a year. Usually like you want to have them if you need them type of thing. Well, that's yeah. amazing. So, I mean, in that process of, of growing and growing rapidly, did you turn to other entrepreneurs, other, mm -hmm. do you have a mentor and support system to help yeah. talk through some of those things? You have yeah. So early on, um, we took a visioning seminar at a company called uh, Zing Train. Um, they started a deli called Zingerman's up in Ann Arbor uh, like 30 years ago and was really inspired by, by those guys and have leaned on them a lot for kind of, I guess, thinking about how to look at things. Um, and then more like tactically uh, joined a kind of a, I guess, an entrepreneur group called uh, EO that, that sets you up with a, um, a forum. And then in addition to that, uh, we, uh, I read the book Traction uh, by Gino Wickman and 
that was actually really, really helpful for us. We've been implementing the EOS system for about four or five years now. And that's been very helpful as well when it comes to tactics and how to look at things. Because if you just, if you just try to do everything all at once and uh, build an accountability chart and pick your core values and um, do your five-year strategy and uh, what's your what's your marketing plan and all the things at once it is it is just very very daunting and it, it helps kind of to break it down into uh, more bite-sized chunks that that you can actually work through instead of trying to do a little bit of everything at once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love traction. I we've also read that and um, specifically around the quarterly goals and yeah. the rocks and yeah. kind of the dashboard. Yeah. Um, something I admire about everything I see that you guys put out there. It one, I think the culture shines through. I think, um, I mean, every person you interact with has a smile and they just like have this warmth to them. How, I guess, how would you go about? Um, if you were starting another company, like creating that culture and just being really intentional about everything you do. I mean, do you have any experience shares on that? Yeah. Um, a big, a big thing that I think we are pretty good at that I don't think is, is super common is, um, letting other people contribute and then almost insisting that other people contribute. So, uh, if, all of the marketing or all of the activations or different things we did came from me and a couple of people on a marketing team. I think it would feel very different than uh, the hundred or so folks that we have out on the cart, um, bringing their interests and passions kind of to our brand. Um, so that's super important when it comes to the activation. I mean, the, the authenticity that you're talking about, I don't know how you necessarily do that. Um, in all brands because we happen to have a popsicle company and uh, both yoga and art and music. And although they're not direct connections that they don't feel, they don't feel wrong. Um, So if you owned a a funeral home, for example, it might be a little bit different, Um, but maybe not actually, who who knows? Uh, So that's one tip that we kind of try to stick to and remind ourselves a lot um, and myself personally like if i hear somebody say we should do this i say you 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 can do this why don't you do this and 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 i think people have kind of realized that if they say something uh it's it's close to them signing up for it um we're oftentimes we're oftentimes worried about things being exactly perfect but i've got a um i don't know if it's good or bad thing but a, a lot of faith in people and just don't really think that it is it is a science that anyone has exactly figured out so if no one has it figured out then you can't really mess it up if that makes any sense Mm -hmm. I think it does and I think that it's creating just such a sense of shared ownership like everyone is contributing to the success of the company and their ideas are being heard um and, and just like pride in where they're working because they're excited to be contributing to yeah. bigger things. Where does, the, so I'm curious with the name King, <laughs> like because I, I, I'm seeing a thread in a lot of yeah. the other companies yeah. you've started. I don't know how, <laughs> there's no great story. Um, we, we were just in the naming process and uh, 
it was the best name. I mean, our other ones were Trace Romanos, which is three brothers, uh, El Pobre Diablo, Frozen Man, Freya, uh, a bunch of names. And, and I put it out there and uh, certainly when I knew less than I know now and, and had people kind of vote on what they liked. And Freya actually was the top pick. Uh, and I was like, man, that just doesn't sound like us. It sounded kind of more serious and kind of, um, maybe a bit more like, I don't know, whimsical instead of kind of not taking yourself too seriously, which hopefully is what people get with the King of Pops name. Um, and then once we went with that, uh, we just thought it was equally silly and fun to just kind of name everything that. So we have King of Crops, King of Compost, King of Pups, which is our dog treat um, that we sell out on the cart as well, frozen dog treats. So, yeah, I mean, I think it, it just kind of makes things easier. We, we were trying to come up with other names for a few years, and our, our Christmas tree delivery business and our distribution company don't have King of, which to me is just a real shame. One of them is called Perfect Ten Distribution, and the other is Tree Elves, which is our Christmas tree delivery well, business. Well, I mean, even I think in the – at least a customer of Tree Elves, the, the branding kind of overlaps. I mean, it still has kind of that fun feel. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So were these, yeah. I imagine they came after King of Pops was established and, and maybe you did have a bigger team to help execute mm-hmm. some of those pieces. Were, were you feeling like you were missing something or you were passionate about something else so that's what sparked you and Nick to start these other companies? Uh, I would say they were always a, or, or pretty much always a response to a problem or, or an issue we had. Um, so Tree Elves, uh, was a response to our seasonality. Uh, we had a bunch of great employees that liked being in front of customers and we had some pickup trucks and a Christmas tree delivery business kind of could, could get people paid more through at least another month and a half. Uh, the distribution company came about because, uh, we weren't super satisfied with the way our product was kind of getting represented on the shelves and, um, the people that were selling it just, they couldn't, they had like 10,000 products. So they didn't, they didn't really know anything about it. And so we wanted to do it ourselves, even though that meant doing it a little bit smaller. Um, farm farm is maybe more, uh, was, was a little bit, maybe more strategic. Um, but we wanted to buy some of our own produce and we talked so much about the importance of sustainability that we felt like it was important to put our money where our mouth is a little bit. Um, and, and be a part of, of that world and try to grow some of our own produce. Um, so they've always been a response to a business need more so than like, I want to make shoes or something like that. Um, it, it, we, we try to uh, solve some of our own issues, I guess. Um, and it's not always probably the right move. I mean, there's a lot of people that would certainly say and, and, and likely be right that we're trying to do too much and we're focusing on too much. So in a way recently we've kind of been slowing our roll down a little bit when it comes to starting new companies. Well, it does kind of seem like a little, like an ecosystem, yeah. like every, each of them support the other one in a different yeah. way and kind of maybe circle around. How, how do you split your time between them? Is it like 25, 25, 25% or? <laughs> we change it up pretty regularly, probably again, too much. Um, I have been running kind of the marketing side of the business 
pretty consistently. And then Nick has always kind of done the distribution business. But other than that, we kind of seems like every year or two end up kind of trading hats, uh, depending on what's going on at the exact moment. Uh, we organize our business this year, uh, which hopefully is how we're just going to keep it by function instead of by entity, which I think is an important distinction and something that uh, is, is I hope, going to be really helpful. So we were kind of mixed before where we'd have somebody that was kind of running the King of Pops company and then also somebody that was running uh, marketing and production and then someone that was running the Perfect 10 company. Uh, so entity versus function uh, kind of created some gaps that were hard to deal with. Uh, but I spend most of my, I try to spend my time. Um, I'm very easily distracted because I love all the stuff and, and like working on each of the businesses, but on specifically on the marketing and then um, kind of the, the visionary ish seat where you're trying to think about what could we do in uh, one to five years plus in the future as well. Not great at that. That's where I want to be spending my time, but it takes uh, it takes some some real effort to not work on the problem that is right in front of you sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's so fun to think big picture. And I mean, you hear of it, and maybe in EO you've heard of it as well, like that shiny object yeah. syndrome of like there's always something else. Um, and we did some fun retreat exercises this past year of like my personality will always come to the table with 10 ideas and I will move very quickly on them. But for other people on the team, that is so overwhelming. Um, And so it's a a neat balance to learn of like, when should I say we're going to do X, Y, Z? And when should I just kind of let the tide settle before I go on to the next thing? We're going to, you know, a new podcast we're going to launch or something. And when to talk about it is, is really, it's really interesting as well. Like, you can freak people out. Like if you go to a, a conference or a leadership, something, and you come back and you've got 75 new ideas, um, it, can, it can certainly be kind of overwhelming as well. So just thinking about Nick and you working together, um, have you been able to maintain a, maybe, I don't know, I've kind of put in quotes, like healthy balance of brother <laughs> versus business partner? Um, and- good question. Yeah. I mean, uh, we have a great relationship. I would say there is, I cannot think of a time in the last month or six months that we haven't at least touched on something work-related. So that definitely is kind of maybe a bit of a sacrifice. Like there's certainly times where we're, we're not talking about very much work, but um, things always come up um, and we're lucky that it's just something we really love. So that, that, that's a positive, but yeah, I mean, it, our relationship, I think, I mean, as long as we're in business together, is just going to be fundamentally a little bit different. I mean, the same can in some ways be for our family as a whole. I mean, I kind of feel bad for my oldest brother, who is the anthropologist. Uh, I think he has to hear about King of Pop stuff way more than he wants. Um, <laughs> and my, my parents are, they come down here and work some and have, have been pretty involved. So they're always just really curious about what's going on. So, I mean, it's changed our family um, in a positive way. And and I've thought about that a good bit. I mean, we have to sometimes be intentional of like, my mom handles a lot of our AR and she just gets so caught up on it that I'll go home to see her and I haven't seen her in a couple of weeks. And she's trying to talk about this check that she's hunting down from so-and-so and and da 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 And I have to just kind of ask, (laughs) ask about other stuff. Like what's going on with your work? What's going on with, no, but I mean, 
I wouldn't trade it for anything, to be honest, because if anything, it's brought us all, it's brought us all together. And it does sound like you guys have a pretty good understanding of each other's strengths so that, um, like if you're tackling marketing, he's going to lean on you more heavily for that and trust Mm -hmm. in your final decision as opposed to the, you know. Yeah. That's, that's imperative to just say, like, you can say whatever you want, but we have to trust each other enough that we can run with the areas that we've, uh, delegated out because I mean, he definitely has a lot of great marketing ideas. So it's not like, it's not, it's not like I don't, I'm not listening to what he's saying, but if I can't, if I can't kind of run with, with something, then we'll never get anywhere. And the same for all of the stuff that he's working on. And it's just mutual, mutual trust and and, and respect. I think takes work though. I mean, there was a period where we weren't meeting and getting kind of on the same page, another traction thing as often as we should. And you can kind of tell, it's just like, what, you did that? But if, if you ever talk it through and then at least know where they're coming from, it's completely different. Yeah, I love that that piece. And that was something we also implemented. So my business partner and I meet weekly um, every Tuesday for breakfast. And at first it was like, I'm seeing you all day. Like what else should, could we be possibly <laughs> be talking about? Yeah, it's just a different, mm-hmm. a different thing here away And oftentimes the there's not an agenda, but things just naturally come up of, you know, we do need to talk through this or um, we'll come to the table with a couple of things that we're like, oh, I didn't even know that's a challenge of yours right now or vice versa to help problem yeah. solve. So with Seven yeah. Cities. We do something yeah, very similar. Nice. Um, yeah. With So Seven Cities, and I know you're starting to do quite a bit more public speaking. How so are you traveling to all of those cities and to all of these events? Yeah. Yeah. So I travel... I go to each of the cities once per quarter uh, is kind of the, the minimum for me. And I mean, we wrote a vision for our company uh, in the year 2030 and decided we wanted to stay only within the South kind of for this reason. So we could, I mean, once a quarter isn't very much, but kind of when you're living it, it starts to feel like it is because you're, you're at a place for two, three days. Uh, so that ends up being about two plus two to three weeks of, of travel per quarter. Uh, so a little less than a week a month. Um, but yeah, it, it's a lot to, it's a lot to handle. Um, but there's certainly no real way around it that I have figured out yet. I'm, I've been, uh, flirting with the idea of getting my, uh, private pilot license just to implement a hobby into my, uh, work life as well. Cause it's something I've always wanted to do and it would be, um, both not economical, but at least I would be able to do something personally for myself while I'm also traveling instead of just sitting in a car listening to an audio book. Yeah, I imagine that could possibly save some time too. Could save some time. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. <laughs> I guess you wouldn't be able to like knock out emails on the plane though. <laughs> Is that lost? Uh, no, 100% not. I'm not even allowed to joke about flying stuff. My fiance is not super stoked about the idea. It does kind of sound scary when you just think of like, you know, Stephen in the air just flying, but it is pretty cool. So when you, when you do that, if you'd like to consider, you know, make that a goal, we'll be excited to follow along. Yeah. Um, okay. Is there anything super exciting on the horizon for you guys? I mean, I know you're an idea guy. What's kind of on your radar now that you're exploring? Yeah. So, uh, in the, in the, we've only made one product ever, which is popsicles. Um, 
I guess compost kind of counts as a product, but uh, we're going to be opening a restaurant with our friends um, who have in Atlanta here, the restaurants, the Lawrence and Bonton. We're opening a restaurant on Memorial where we're going to be debuting soft serve. Um, and we'll probably also have soft serve in a few new brick and mortar locations over the next kind of year or two. So super excited about that. Um, and then personally, I'm trying to do a bit more public speaking, like, like you mentioned, and uh, put myself out there and, and, and go around and kind of share our story and a little bit of what we learned um, as well. But certainly plenty busy. Uh, we've got a lot of cool kind of uh, co-branding things coming up that, that I'm excited about. Um, and it's just fun. I mean, just letting kind of whatever, whatever comes to us. Uh, trying to trying to be positive about it. That's really exciting. So where, did the soft serve piece kind of help fill, a, like when you kind of mentioned they all filled a need? Is that like a, yeah. like a piece of the seasonality puzzle or? Oh, great question. Um, I guess less so. Uh, the, the project is the Atlanta Dairies project. Uh, and we really wanted to be a part of it. And they were really excited about um, dairy having ice cream at it. So they wanted to do it. And so we've been talking to them for about a year and, and, and decided we wanted to try it. Um, and then we've got a bar at Pont City Market. Um, so we've, we've dipped our toe into the brick and mortar and just feel like um, at those types of locations, it would never really work in a cart, but the chocolate sea salt mix is, is pretty similar to a soft serve mix. And so offering it just in another format, um, why the heck not? But uh, I, I can't think of how it is fulfilling a, a problem that we have other than um, having our, our brick and mortar locations kind of have a, li- a bit more of a draw is kind of probably the main angle there. Yeah. Well, that's a great reason. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm excited about the public speaking and just want to spend kind of one of my last questions. So do you work with a coach? And so for our listeners interested perhaps in that is like yeah. someone that helps book those or are you hitting the pavement trying to find these opportunities? So I've done it just enough to be, I don't know what the right word is since the beginning, maybe like four to five events a year. Um, and then, yeah, this year I've got a, a coach slash um, manager and she's just helped me with kind of honing my message and, and really trying to, to dial that in and then also um, helping with sales. So uh, a dedicated person that doesn't actually work here, um, which is probably a good thing that has a lot of connections in that world. And then it's also, um, I think I've got a very good message and she's really been helping me uh, refine it. I, I oftentimes kind of go a little bit uh, too much rambling. So <laughs> just kind of putting in the prep work and making sure I'm, I'm ready for, for that type of stuff. But it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I actually just had a talk last night. Uh, it went really well. And I mean, do you not anymore? I'm not assuming, I guess you ever had nerves before, but do you, oh, definitely do you, do you have nerves? Okay. And do they still happen? Or are you, it kind of gets yeah. easier? Yeah. Yeah. So it's really ironic because the kind of the, the, uh, my talk is about anxiety and worrying and how, uh, worrying doesn't help you really do better at anything. Um, it just makes you uh, unhappy and how we all do it and how we can, I kind of, have some tips that I've learned that uh, when I both when I got laid off or um, 
when, when certain things happen throughout our business uh, to help me not worry quite as much. But then it's a little bit ironic when you're preparing for a talk and it's about not worrying and you're sitting there worrying <laughs> about it all day. And uh, I'll definitely say the mornings before I have a talk, uh, although I'm trying to do other stuff, I'm usually just kind of anxiously uh, reviewing my slides instead of working on the stuff I should be working on. Well, thanks for being human there and, <laughs> and being real. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't know if that, that feeling will, will ever go away of like the butterflies and the shakiness. Anyway. Yeah. I feel good uh, once I'm on stage, but I'm definitely, it's all I can, I, I, I'm not at the point, it, it's all consuming prior to it. It's all I can think about for about the few days before it. So I'll get over it hopefully one day. <laughs> well, Stephen, how can people get in touch with you or learn more about King of Pops and all of the other brands? Yeah, uh, best way to get take a look at kind of what our brand is all about is uh, kingofpops.com. Um, if you want to go to our website or Instagram, we're very active on that and really try to kind of be, I mean, more than just about Popsicle, so about uh, what's going on in our, in our brand as a whole. So I'd start with King of Pops and then you'll be introduced to the other brands from there. Great. Well, thank you so much for carving out the time to connect. We're excited to learn more about the soft serve and we'll be sure to share all the details when it's ready, but I appreciate your time. Thank you so much.